Welcome to Dogma and Devotion, the podcast that sheds light on the beauty and truth of the Catholic faith. We discuss a wide range of topics from the viewpoints of two complementary vocations of the Church. I'm Ashley, here with Father Dupre, and on today's episode, we'll be reflecting on the Gospel for the Nativity of the Lord, Mass during the night, year B. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole world should be enrolled. This was the first enrollment, when Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to be enrolled, each to his own town. And Joseph, too, went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, that is called Bethlehem, because he was one of the house and family of David, to be enrolled with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. While they were there, the time came for her to have her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were shepherds in that region living in the fields and keeping the night watch over their flock. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were struck with great fear. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For today in the city of David... A Savior has been born for you, who is Christ and Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find an infant wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. It is finally here. Throughout this holy season of Advent, we are now finally celebrating the birth of the Savior. And we have here kind of a a factual telling here. We're, We're hearing something that is historical about the Roman Empire, and that is what is being referred to with the phrase the whole world in this first verse of chapter two of luke's gospel that we have for this mass and so it's it's a different kind of take it's showing us how let's say the the son of god is entering into human history in the the world as it was civilized and known and governed at that time but uh, I do see something that I think is, is great for reflection, and that is that it is news of great joy, and it is something that is universal. And as, as it's used uh, at the beginning again for the whole world, referring to the, the Roman Empire, and yet you, you hear this note of universal great no- joy, like this is... This is great news for all, right? Do not be afraid, for behold, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And uh, I thought about that, like, how is it truly good, you know, for all the people? Well, as it pertains to him being a savior, this is good for all of the human race that has lost something great, the most noble thing about us is our relationship to our good and loving creator. And the the best news, let's say, is that sin is not the end of the story. Yeah, that's kind of 
um, what I thought of whenever I read the last line uh, that the angel says, and on earth peace to those on whom he his favor rests. So it's not uh, in the sense like a conflict of peace, but it's like a, a peace of reconciliation that we have between God and man. That's right. It's, it's yeah, is it an ending to wars and things like this? Yeah, in the sense of there's no more fighting, but the chaos starts within. There is a division within the individual heart of man before there is division amongst men. And so the good news is, is for the human soul and anyone who is a member of the human race has a soul. And so, right, this favor coming to rest upon us. I keep thinking about how it has to come in this way for it to be universal. It has to come back through the rule of God. And that is true peace and true freedom because peace is the fruit of order. All things are seen and valued and loved and sought after in, in right proportion to each other. Versus, let's let's say, the sin of greed or the lust, right, uh, that we can go through as creatures who struggle against our, our wounded sinful nature. Not that we were made that way. That's the whole point of being saved is that we've never lost our intrinsic dignity. We bear the image of God. That was never completely lost or destroyed. And Christ has come to restore that about us. And so this has to be done in a way that God becomes the greatest good again. And for, for that to happen, God is, is coming right into the very place where freedom was lost, where chaos began. He's coming into the seat of our will, the, the very place where we choose this over that, prefer this over that. We, we have a preference for this, and we go back to the fall, right? The, the very beginning there in Genesis chapter 3, where there, is, there are two trees. There's the tree of life, and then there's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it was there that chaos uh, ensued. It's there where all the right order and the peace and it was, was all uh, ruined, because there was a choice of a creature over the creator. And how do we know that? Because the creator gave us his will about that tree, about that creature. He said, you can have anything you want, but do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, lest you die. And of course, the ancient serpent comes in, we know the story, and lies to Eve, and then Eve transmits that to Adam, and Adam blames Eve before God, and when the questioning happens, and there was this choice of a creature over the creator, and then that's when, again, everything gets disproportionate, everything gets out of order, and you can see how that's still inside of us. We can go against the dictates of reason, um, I'm thinking about how people have eBay addictions. Uh, it might be today Facebook Marketplace addictions where this is not really something I need. I already have maybe three boats in the yard, right? Or I already have this many pair of shoes. I already have. There is this 
lust for a creature, even though reason and our conscience and just our better sense is like, you, you really do have enough. There's no way you could use all these things at once. And there's no consideration of the good as it relates to the rest of creation. There's just this isolated choice for this one creature. And so how does God restore order? He becomes part of his creation in a special way by the incarnation so that we can regain our freedom by choosing him. And how does he do it? He comes in the most adorable way, a baby boy. Everybody loves babies. Everyone at Christmas, if someone's got a newborn, who's the first person they're going to go to? The baby. It's approachable. It's not scary. It's, you know, just a sweet little baby. And I know we've all heard the um, the idea that, you know, um, Jesus was placed in the manger, which is a feeding trough, and he's the Eucharist and stuff. But I think it's that it's St. Cyril that goes a little further, and he says, um, why in a trough? Because we are beasts. We are animals. And so he comes in and says, okay, you're an animal, then feed on me and I'll bring you to new life. Wow. He doesn't do it in this way that is like demeaning or making us feel disgraced about the grace we have lost, right? Think of uh, Lake Shore of Tiberias. Jesus and Peter finally meet after Peter had denied Christ during his trial and his passion. He wasn't there at the foot of the cross, so on and so forth. And yet Jesus's words about this mortal sin on the part of Peter of denying Christ, he says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Feed my sheep. All right. And that kind of helps us tie this back into here. Uh, if, if you want to follow your gut, if you want to follow the dictates of your appetite, then here, choose me, right? As Ashley saying here, he's being laid in something you eat out of. Please, you know, I thirst for your love. And that ties it back with one of Christ's last words upon the cross. He desires to be loved so that we can see what our heart's true desire is. It's for God. And he has to tell us, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things that you're putting ahead of me and my will and my love for you. All these things will be added to you. And so today we celebrate him coming to us as a way for us to have our freedom again, to have peace on earth, is to first have him as our greatest good, that we would finally choose him. And so he comes to us in a most adorable and loving way. Amen. Happy birthday, baby Jesus. Happy birthday and Merry Christmas. And so let's sign off with what we hear the angels say at the glorious birth of our Savior, Gloria in excelsis Deo et in terra pax hominibus bone voluntatis. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to people of goodwill. Thanks for joining us. Our Christmas episode is also out now, featuring the readings from the start of John's gospel for the Christmas mass during the day.